Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick. Run. Love. Aliens. Ready? Yes. We're in. We're in. Welcome back to Mystery Team Inc. Welcome. The podcast that's doing a two-part deep dive on (laughs) the Roswell UFO incident. Because we have no regard for our own mental health. Correct. So, um, a couple of things. In the last episode, we talked about that awesome photo of our listeners, Lexi and Gracie, Mm -hmm. and you were like, what is this field they're in? (gasps) Did we have an answer? Yeah. It's a drive-in. Nuh-uh. Which is even crazier than a field, because, you know, we were like, there's no fields in LA. Well, there's, like, definitely no drive-ins. There's, like, one. Where? Are they in Um, Echo Park? No, I wish. I wish. No, no, no. It's somewhere, like, south of downtown or in, like, Gardena or somewhere. Oh, Gardena. Um, We were talking about... The name you were looking for was John Cameron. Oh, my God. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. John Cameron is the detective who took our friend on a wild, yeah. weird goose yes, chase correct. across America for murder. Um, okay. I'm going to jump right in, but before I do... So I guess I'm not. Yeah, no, that's the opposite. <laughs> um, back by popular demand. No one asked for it, so you're going to get it. Solving Mysteries. What are some steps to solving a mystery? Oh, did you find it? I found it. How? I did a lot of Googling. What did you, what was the final thing that got it? Um, I Googled uh, how to solve a mystery step one period. Because I I knew there had to be one that was like. Oh, really? That was like I have Googled every iteration of Yahoo Answers how to solve a mystery. I did Yahoo Answers how to solve a mystery step one period. I cannot believe you found it. Oh, I found it. Let's go. I'm ready. I solved a mystery right out the gate on this one. (laughs) What are some steps to solving a mystery? This is categorized under mythology and folklore. Which I feel like maybe (laughs) they just confuse the word mystery with mythology. Yeah, it's like astrology and astronomy. astronomy. The author opens with, I'm no intellectual author or anything like that. (laughs) However... I found your question interesting, so I thought I might give it a shot. Step one. <laughs> Identify what the mystery is. Oh my God. Something missing, someone missing, or worse. <laughs> Identify what it is, and if possible, when and where this mystery happened. <laughs> this is just as good as I remember. So step one, the mystery is aliens. Okay. Step two. Identify any people for proof that the mystery really took place. 
<laughs> so this is witnesses and suspects. No, it's people for proof. <laughs> if you have no witnesses to validate, they even put the word witnesses in there. Like, I feel like they knew. Okay. If you have no witnesses to validate the mystery happening, then try to verify by videos, photos, tracks. Like tracks. Like bear tracks. <laughs> yeah. Something more concrete that the situation did exist prior to the mystery happening. It doesn't make any what? sense. What? Wait. So you need proof that it existed. That the situation existed prior, prior to, the mystery. to the mystery happening. Three. Identify the people involved in the mystery. So the same as two. No. That's persons of proof. <laughs> <laughs> This is like people persons of, of interest. People of proof, and then there's just like people who are involved. Right. Do you see the difference? No. Okay. Identify right. the people involved in the mystery, who they are, what they do, and how they are connected to the situation. If you find people you need to establish where they were when the situation happened and validate that. Okay. So, but it's not, that's not people of proof. Uh-uh. Okay. Step four. That feels like people of proof. <laughs> I take back what I said about them being different. Step four. Determine who of the people slash witnesses may have an interest in the mystery and may benefit by taking the steps taken to cause the mystery. Qui bono. Okay. This is where who bonos comes from. In other words, this is your build the proof time. Be sure your sources are accurate by checking them out further before you determine the solving of your mystery. As if we ever determine the solving. Read that one again. Determine who of the people slash witnesses may have an interest in the mystery and may benefit by taking the steps taken to cause the mystery. Okay. In other words, this is your build the proof time. However, it's motive. It's qui bono and it's motive. I like build the proof time. Step five. Okay. True solving of a mystery is not always accurate because people lie, forget, memories fade in time, misconstrue the facts. However, with the correct pyramid of proof built beforehand, all too many words, your decision may be correct. Good luck with your mystery. I really like that they did not use the word investigating. They just said solving. <laughs> and then they made it decision. Yes. It determined the solving. That is... Good luck with your mystery. So it's... to recap, step one, identify the mystery. Okay. Step two, identify any people for proof. Step three, identify and identify the people involved in the mystery. Okay, different from people of proof. Yes. Step four, qui bono, mm-hmm. and build the proof time. <laughs> Step five, mysteries are hard. <laughs> I'm so Good glad we remembered it accurately. Yes, we did. Uh, so it looks like it's build the proof time. It's time to get into Roswell part two. Yes. Brief recap. A rancher named Mac Brazel found... Wreckage in the desert. Mm-hmm. No one knows what the actual materials are because the photos they took for the press were staged. A cover-up ensued, and then everyone promptly forgot about it. Is mm-hmm. that an accurate recap of yes. like what happened? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, in 1978, Stan Friedman got involved. <gasps> R.I.P. A hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in 1978, Jesse Marcel Jr. went public with a television appearance about what he saw. The same year, Stanton Friedman interviewed Jesse Marcel Sr., who is the only person that we know for a fact accompanied the Roswell debris from the recovery site to the Roswell Air Force Base and then to Fort Worth, Mm -hmm. where the reporters were shown the object. Yes. So Stanton Friedman starts interviewing people. 
they got hundreds of documents from the Freedom of Information Act. Um, and then, of course, there were documents like MJ-12, which were, like, quote-unquote leaked by quote-unquote insiders. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1980, the first conspiracy book about Roswell is published. It's called The Roswell Incident by Charles Berlitz and William Moore. These guys also, by the way, wrote books on the Philadelphia Experiment <gasps> and the Bermuda Triangle. Um, this book is, like, version one of the Roswell myth. It features 90 witnesses. Their conclusion was that an aircraft was flying over the New Mexico desert, observing nuclear weapons activity, but crashed after being hit by lightning, and that the aliens on board were killed, and then the government covered it up. But it was an alien craft. Yes. Okay. Um, This book also introduced the idea that the debris that Jesse Marcel recovered with Mac Brazel was different than the debris in the photographs. Cat! Um... (laughs) Okay, so I watched this TLC documentary that I think is from like the late 80s, early 90s, and they interview Loretta Proctor. Nuh-uh. Oh my God, yes, really? Who is still living on the same ranch. Where he took the thing and yeah. she was like, did you know? And he, so, he, yes. but, so he did go to her and not to the bar. So she says, Mac rode up on horseback with the debris. Oh my God. And she says, he asked what to do with it. Well, I'll let her tell it. Are you kidding me right no. now? Mm-mm. Are you about to show it to me? Mm-hmm. You're my best friend. <laughs> By what it was, Brazel traveled 20 miles to show his nearest neighbor what he had found. <gasps> Loretta Proctor is 83 and still lives on the same ranch near Corona, north of Roswell. She remembers Brazel arriving on horseback with a collection of strange material. He showed us this piece that looked like plastic or wood of some kind. And he said that there was some metallic looking stuff that when you crushed it, it just straightened right back out. It wouldn't, you know, wouldn't stay crushed. And there was uh, some beams or something that he said had kind of pinkish purple printing on it. Well, we told him it was probably a UFO and he should report it. That's what they said. They said that there was writing on it and it was pinkish purple. It's all true. Oh my God. Anyway. So yeah. So Loretta Proctor, that's legit. Um, then in 1989, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries aired that featured a segment on the Roswell incident. And can I just say, I tried to watch it. It's a trip. Um, I also accidentally, because Unsolved Mysteries, it's like they do like multiple stories. So mm-hmm. The one, when I was trying to click through to get to Roswell, I stopped briefly on one where the only part I heard was, when the men entered the shack, they found a startling discovery, a full human skeleton inside a canoe. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> why would you not keep watching that? I didn't have time. Aliens were calling me. So, um, so that Unsolved Mysteries aired. And so a man named Glenn Dennis called the hotline. And he was like, listen, I was there. And not only was there a crash, but there were bodies. <laughs> so Glenn Dennis goes on to become the central witness in the Roswell conspiracy theories. So Glenn Dennis worked as a part-time assistant in the Ballard Funeral Home in 1940 while he was still attending Roswell High School. That was his like high school summer job was he like worked at the funeral home. He sounds cool as shit. He was excused from military service in World War II because of poor hearing, and he ended up going to Mortuary College. It, was he cute? It, we don't know. 
There's no pictures of Glenn Dennis? I'm sure there are. Well, there's vi- there's videos of him in his old age when he came out about all this stuff. Oh. But I don't know if there's, like, old photos of him. Okay, because he's creeping up, up on D.B. Cooper. <laughs> um, he graduated Mortuary College in 1946, and he was put in charge of the Ballard Funeral Homes contract with the military, which included ambulance and mortuary services for the Roswell uh, Airfield. Which, like, the the... The funeral home, like, the contract with the military has got to be, like, the Campbell Soup account of, like, mortuary accounts oh, to yeah. have. yeah. Like, if you're the funeral home that has, like, the military That's base the most in your business. town. Um, I wrote Beyonce of funeral homes. <laughs> so he does an interview, and I'm going to read part of it. We could listen to it, but I'm just going to read, it, just, like, the highlights. I want you to do it in your transatlantic accent. No, because this is, like, the 90s. Fuck. Um... But basically, I'm just going to paraphrase really quick. He was working in the funeral home in 1947. He got a call from the RAAF. Mm -hmm. And they were basically like, do you have any tiny coffins? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, for children. And they were like, children, yes. We're going to need some of those. Also, are they hermetically sealed? (laughs) I hope one day I get a call that's, do you have any tiny coffins? Right. Um... And then it turned out that they didn't have enough. And so they had to, like, order them in from another funeral How home. many did they have? Like, one. And they needed three or something. Anyway, here's a quote from an interview he did with Larry King. Oh, my. What the fuck? I received a call from the mortuary officer at the base asking me how many infant hermetically sealed caskets we had. Three and a half to four feet in stock. And I told him, I said, we only had one. It's not military. But I said, I can call the Amarillo, Texas coffin company by three o'clock this afternoon and have all you need by noon tomorrow. And then I said, what's going on out there? And he said, that's not important. (laughs) That's how you know it's important. But then he calls me back later and he wants to know how embalming chemical would alter the tissue, stomach contents, and what our preparation was for bodies that had been laying out in the elements for several days. I said... Sir, we have to, the mortuary officer has to tell us what he wants and how he wants it and what procedure he wants to follow. And he says, and he became a little upset. But anyway, that was the way it all started off with me right there. So then shortly thereafter, a soldier was injured in a motorcycle accident on the base. And that resulted in Glenn Dennis driving his ambulance onto the base. So while he was there, he noticed some weird stuff in the back of a couple of military ambulances. He said, there were several pieces which looked like the bottom of a canoe, three feet in length, made of stainless steel. It had a purple hue. There were some strange looking writing on the material resembling Egyptian hieroglyphics. Dude, I'm telling you, the perp- this purple writing. But I will say that that was all included in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Like he watched was, it. And this is after. And then he called in and was like, uh, I saw this. Ugh. So according to his story, he dropped off the soldier and then he went to go find his friend who worked on the base as a nurse. He ran into her running out of the OR, covering her mouth and saying, get out of here or you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And then she ran away. Covering her mouth? Yeah. Why? Um, We find out later, but it was because of the stench. Oh, okay. An army captain noticed Glenn and immediately had him escorted off the base. On his way out, he was stopped by a redheaded officer who said, you did not see anything, there was no crash here, and if you say anything, you could get in a lot of trouble. The next day, Sheriff Wilcox called Dennis's father and said that the military wanted his name, his address, and the names of his family. Glenn finally got in touch with his nurse friend, and they actually met at the officer's club on the base, which is weird because you would think, since the military was, like, looking for him, like, why would he just go to the officer's club? Anyway. Yeah. She told him... 
that she had helped two doctors perform autopsies on three strange and mangled bodies. The bodies had been left out in the elements and they smelled awful. She pulled out a prescription pad and drew pictures of the bodies. Glenn said, the eyes were deeply set, the skulls were flexible, the nose was concave. The skulls were flexible? I thought that was weird too, because that's not like a visual observation. Um, She gave the picture to Dennis and he never saw her again. (gasps) But Glenn was never able to produce that drawing, only one that he had had made from memory years later. Um, Apparently he left the original drawing in the funeral home, which was sold off. And then his friend, by the way, was suddenly transferred overseas, quote unquote. And then when he wrote her a letter, it came back, um, returned to sender, marked deceased. (gasps) He was told that she had been killed in a military plane crash. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure. Here's the problem. When MUFON showed up in their matching outfits. Yes. And and were trying to conduct science. They obviously met with Glenn Dennis, who now was like the star witness of the Roswell case. And they asked him for her name and he just wouldn't tell them. Um, in 1989, he finally gave them a name. He said the name was Naomi Self. After years of searching, they found a yearbook of Roswell base employees. There was, of course, no Naomi Self. That sounds fake. One of the nurses who did work there in 1947 had no recollection of such a person. At some point, Dennis said, no, it's Self with two Fs, but obviously that didn't change anything. Um, there's no record of a person with that name in the entire military ever. When investigators told Glenn that there was no record of that person anywhere, he wasn't surprised because apparently he decided to lie to protect her identity. She, but what? When pressed, he gave researchers the first letter of her last name, which feels a little like now we're playing Ouija board. Like he's just like throwing like shots. Yeah, you don't have to Ouija board it. Just like (laughs) give him the name. Um, so there was a Catholic nurse who worked at the base at the time. Her name was Eileen M. M. Fanton, and she resembled the physical descriptions from Glenn Dennis of the nurse. She also served overseas and left the base shortly after the Roswell incident due to a medical condition. But the last record we have of her is her very alive in 1955, not dead from a plane crash. And then the New York Times Index, the National Transportation Safety Board, and the Army Air Force all investigated, and none of them have any records of such a military plane crash at the time that Dennis said she supposedly died in one. I don't like this because I feel like everything that I want to be true is going to be a lie. So to jump forward for a second, Carl Flock, one of the men who originally conducted interviews for the first book and then later for another book in 2001, he also went on to author the book Roswell, Inconvenient Facts and the Will to Believe, wrote in a January 6, 1995 letter. An Air Force investigator and a private investigator have located hospital morning reports and other hospital records for the entirety of 1947, showing who was on duty and when. They've also identified all the nurses who were assigned to the base during the year, that year, and when they were assigned there and transferred out. Flock was forced to the conclusion that Dennis's nurse friend simply did not exist. Stan Friedman says. (laughs) Yes, we love Stan Friedman says. Stan Friedman accused him of being a disinformation agent for saying this. Oh. Because essentially you can easily scrub a record. Yeah. Um, Especially if you lie and say she was killed in a plane crash that didn't happen, then it tracks that the plane crash didn't happen. Especially if she was like just relocated into witness protection Mm -hmm. and was hanging out in 1955. You know what I mean? So anyway. In 1991, Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt published UFO Crash at Roswell. Another book. They added 100 new witnesses. This book added some new details, like the gouge in the ground that's become canon. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this is the first time that we hear of the military apparently cordoning off, cordoning off, cordoning off the site and that there was a heavy military presence who blocked off the site. Lots of witnesses in this book claim that they tried to go to Foster's ranch and that they were turned back by armed military. In this version, Mac also leads the military to a second crash site on the ranch. What? In this version, Mac also leads the military to a second crash site on the ranch. No, I know what you said. I just am in shock. Do you know about this? That there's like a second, supposedly a whole second crash? No, because I had to stop doing research because mine stopped it. Okay. <laughs> At the end of the 1947 event. Okay. Um, by 1994... When the truth about the UFO crash at Roswell was published, Mm -hmm. a schism had emerged within the UFO community. One of many. The Center for UFO Studies, CUFOS, Mm -hmm. and the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, um, they had like a battle royale about this. CUFOS and MUFON were like West Side Story about this. I love that just by virtue of being a UFO organization, you have to have oof in your name. You have to have UFO. It's so good. Um, So they totally disagreed in their views about the various scenarios presented by Randall and Schmidt um, and Friedman and Berliner, who were the authors of another one of those books. So several conferences were held. Of course. (laughs) Which is like, that's what Kufos and Mufon do is like they hold conferences. Um, They basically have like a standing reservation at every Marriott in the country. (laughs) Every Sheraton. (laughs) Um, trying to resolve the differences. So one of the central issues under discussion was where the main witnesses were when they said that they saw the alien craft that they said that they saw. So there's this guy named Barnett who supposedly saw the second crash, which was something that looked a lot more like a jet wing. It was like a long Mm -hmm. object, like 30 feet long. And apparently there were, like, four scattered alien bodies just, like, laying around it. Who was he? A night he was um, supposedly, like, a military person. Okay. A 1992 UFO conference attempted to achieve a consensus among the various scenarios portrayed in Crash at Corona and UFO Crash at Roswell. However, the publication of The Truth About the UFO Crash at Roswell had resolved the Barnett problem by simply ignoring Barnett. (laughs) Citing uh, okay. a new location for the alien craft recovery. What? Um, for the second one. Yeah. So then all of this is going on in the early 90s, and Kufos and Mufon are like hashing it out on the streets of Roswell and Just doing some complicated jazz ballet numbers. Correct. So Governor Stephen Schiff gets involved because everyone in New Mexico is like, we want the truth. We want the truth. <laughs> Um, and here's the thing. When I was researching this, I really thought, because I know from the reading that Stephen Schiff is a skeptic. Mm -hmm. So I thought he was going to be like, fine, if I'm going to be the governor of the state whose only draw is the aliens. (laughs) If that's all we have. Then I guess I'll lean into the aliens. Yeah. But actually, quote... I still find it amazing that the United States top bomber wing, the only wing eligible to carry nuclear weapons at the time, would not know a weather balloon from a flying saucer. Thank you. So, in 1993, he wrote them a letter. Aw. Um, and by them, I mean the government. Not, I don't <laughs> he know. He just was like, dear government. <laughs> this is an excerpt from the letter he wrote. He wrote this to the Department of Defense. 
The inconsistency between repeated official denials and the public record and testimony of those involved has led to a great deal of sensational speculation and called into question the credibility of the Departments of Defense, Army, and the Air Force. Therefore, Mr. Mr. Secretary, I respectfully request that you direct such a review be undertaken on a priority basis and that a representative or representatives of the Department of Defense and our responsible military departments promptly arrange to brief and provide me with a written report providing a current, complete, and detailed description and explanation of both the nature of what was recovered and all the official actions taken on the matter. Mm-hmm. They gave him the runaround. They were like, you're going to want to ask the archives because all those files have been archived. So then he wrote to the archives and they were like, well, we don't have that. So then he was basically just passed back and forth between the Department of Defense and the National Archives several times. Um, They were like, we don't have the documents you want. And the DOD was like, well, we'll just have to investigate that for you then. But like never got around, never got around to it. So then he wrote this letter. Which is scathing. (laughs) While I realize that the Department of Defense and you, Mr. Secretary, have been very busy in areas throughout the world, while also concerned with proposed changes in policy within the department, I must insist on the courtesy of a reply to my letter, which is now three months old. (laughs) To reiterate, while I am prepared to wait a reasonable length of time for the briefing I requested, I do insist the department do the research on my inquiry and report the findings to me. I must also insist on having my letters to the Department of Defense acknowledged and acted upon. (laughs) I look forward to your response to my letters and to the scheduled briefing. I will expect a reply to this inquiry by September 7th. Nice. That still didn't happen. Of course it didn't. So then he went to, yeah, right. (laughs) So then he went to the general accounting office who now they're called like the accountability office. Essentially it's, it's not like literal accounting. It's like they're responsible for the accountability of all the files of all of the departments of all the wings of the government. Okay. And they were like, yeah, wow, that's super weird. We'll launch an investigation. In July of 1995, they published their report, Roswell, Fact versus Fiction. This report claimed that the debris was likely from a top secret project called Project Mogul. Um, It's important to note, too, that they wrote like 10 pages about the Roswell incident and then just stuffed the report with like, 500 totally unintelligible pages about like the mechanics of project mogul. So like getting through the report at all was like almost impossible. And there's not that much in project. Right. Mogul. It's just a string. So Kayla, do you want to talk a little bit about what project mogul is? Cause I know you, you like it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So the description of project mogul that I read was it was a string of balloons and they like hung a microphone from it. It's more complicated than that. Is it? Okay, because yeah. that is the silliest thing I've ever heard. That's like a simplification, but it's not much more complicated than that. Like it is, it's like a giant weather balloon. Well, the originally it was a series of balloons and then they um, realized that that was like leaking helium too quickly. And so they made like a bigger balloon or vice versa. They made a big balloon and it was leaking. So they were like, let's do a bunch of little balloons. And it was like uh, dangled from it was like a very, very long string with like a bunch of little like sensitive pieces of technology that were supposed to detect sound waves in the stratosphere that they thought would be coming from Russian nuclear explosions. It's just so misguided. So they basically said that what happened was this was a top secret project and that one of the balloons crashed and that that's what everyone found. And it was so top secret that that's why no one recognized what it was because it was like a very sophisticated piece of technology and that we didn't have any of that technology at the time and that lower leveling, lower ranking, lower level ranking military officials wouldn't recognize it. I don't just, it did include fiber optic cables, 
which we talk about how people that described the wreckage said they described something that was like really similar to a fiber optic fiber optic cable, but they didn't have yeah. like the words to just to say that at the time because it didn't exist. Anyway. So, but, but was that like, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but did we, was like the fiber optic cable as a piece of tech no idea only available to the military like yes. were they hiding it and nobody nobody like, knew about there it. was nothing in real life that right. was using fiber optics okay right <clears throat> um unlike a weather balloon the project mogul paraphernalia was a mass was massive and contained unusual types of materials according to research conducted by the new york times it was squadrons of big balloons it was like having an elephant in your backyard and hoping that no one would notice it to the untrained eye the reflectors looked extremely odd a geometrical hash of lightweight sticks and sharp angles made of metal foil Photographs of it taken in 1947 and published in newspapers show bits and pieces of what are obviously collapsed balloons and radar reflectors. Photographs of the de- that's the, the debris, debris that Jesse Marcel posed right. with. So the military claims that the debris likely came from a failed launch on June 4th called Flight Number 4. That report was obviously not satisfying to ufologists. Mm-hmm. They were like, the government's covering it up anyway, st- like still covering something up. So they kept at it. And then the government was basically forced to release a second report called Roswell Case Closed, Case Closed, which I lovingly <laughs> refer to as Roswell Report 2, Two Case to Close. <laughs> it was released in 1997, and it concluded that reports of recovered alien bodies were likely a combination, because ufologists were like, then what about the bodies? So this report concluded that the reports of recovered alien bodies were likely a combination of innocently transformed memories of accidents involving military casualties. What does that mean? Um, I'm going to get into it. Okay. With memories of the recovery of anthropomorphic dummies in military programs, such as the 1950s Operation High Dive, mixed with hoaxes perpetrated by various witnesses and UFO proponents. The psychological effects of time compression and confusion about when events occurred explain the discrepancy with the year in question. So basically what they said was, people that thought they saw bodies in the desert and... Um, burned bodies like in the morgue we're talking about two things one being a military project called operation high dive so essentially they were doing this military there was this military project in the 50s called operation high dive and they were dumping dummies from high altitudes that were gray like latex bodies um And I realized when I was going through this that in all of the research that I did, I never actually figured out what they were testing with Operation High Dive. What were they testing? It was high-altitude parachutes. So they were like, if you saw gray men, like the bodies of gray men in the desert, it was probably these dummies. The problem is these dummies were six feet tall, and all the reports say that the alien bodies were three to four feet tall. Also, don't they recover the dummies because they're testing things? Yes, but a um, a lot of the reports were from military personnel who were like, I saw bodies in the desert. Okay. Um, a second thing is that um, Glenn Dennis was in the morgue uh, like five years after the Roswell incident where there had been a horrible military plane crash where a jet, the, the jet engine, sorry, the jet fuel tank on a jet exploded. So, and it just crashed into the desert. And so oh they recovered God. the bodies and they were all legless. They were completely burned from head to hip whatever was left of them and their faces were like so mangled from the crash that they were described almost exactly the same way that glenn dennis describes the drawings of the alien bodies the the eyes were concave the nose like was just holes the skull was like 
falling apart. apart. Right. That's so interesting. And so they theorize that, because he was, Glenn Dennis was in the morgue when they brought those bodies in. Um, and they smelled horrible because they were, it was jet fuel exploded them. So basically they were like, you compress those memories. Like these were multiple traumatic memories to you. You compress them. Um, something interesting to note though is Project Mogul, the flight logs from the time reveal no existence of flight number four on the 4th of June. Um, there's also no record of an unsuccessful flight, even though other flights that were unsuccessful were clearly documented. I have so many problems with Project Mogul. Okay. So then there was the alien autopsy video hoax. Mm. Yes. In 1995, Fox aired this interview with a man named Ray Santilli, who claimed that he had gotten this video footage of the alien autopsy performed at, like, Wright Field um, of the aliens. And they aired this video. (laughs) Have you seen it? Yes, I watched a lot of shit about it today yeah. by accident. They aired this video. And it, when you watch the, the interview, it's crazy because Ray Santilli is basically like, yes, my friend, May Ben Billy, wouldn't tell me <laughs> wh- why he, where this was, but he was sneaking the camcorder into the operating room with all of the aliens. Um, I heard that it was like, they got it from... He got it from his friend in London who had been like the videographer, was the videographer for but the I, military. Oh, I heard the story. The story I heard was not that he like snuck it in. No, no, no. But he, that he was he, like. No, that he snuck it out essentially. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because, so they aired this on Fox. Of course it was on Fox. Um, they aired this on like Fox News and they aired it three times. And every time the ratings spiked until it basically like the third time they had 1.7 million people watching it. Um, I also have this weird memory of my dad when I was younger because my dad basically like became a conspiracy theorist toward the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was younger, him being like, there are aliens, they have the bodies. Like I've seen videos of it. And now I'm like, did you see, is this what he was referring this to? This is definitely what he was referring to 100%. Um, in 2006, Ray Santilli admitted that the film was mostly a reconstruction. Yes. Um, he said that it did include some original frames, but failed to tell anyone which frames they were. Six frames, and he won't say which ones, and it's infuriating. He continued to claim that it was based on genuine footage that's now lost. Um, obviously it's all bullshit. Okay. In 2007, a book was released by authors Thomas J. Carey and Donald R. Schmidt with a foreword by George Norrie. Nuh-uh. Called Witness to Roswell, Unmasking the Government's Biggest Cover-Up. So this is information that I got from BuzzFeed Unsolved, which is, like, funny, but it's actually really good information. So they took it from this book. Uh So Ben Games was a personal pilot to then-Major General Lawrence C. Craigie, who was the engineering division chief at Wright Field, which is where UFO community agrees that the quote-unquote bodies of the aliens were taken. That's in um, Dayton, Ohio, right? Yeah. <clears throat> According to Ben Games, he flew General Craigie to Roswell to examine the wreckage. Then he flew him directly to D.C. to meet with President Truman. Mm. A few months later, Craigie became the Air Force Chief Director of Research and Development, huh. where he founded Project Sign, the first official investigation of UFOs by the Air Force. <gasps> 
Doesn't that seem a little suspicious that he went to Roswell and then went directly to meet with the president and two months later he got a new job as the head of R&D and his first, the first thing he did was create an alien investigation? I don't think that's suspicious at all. I wrote, coincidence? <laughs> um, another interesting thing, you talked about it a little bit, the memory medal. So everyone who was there, all of the witnesses attest to this like idea of this memory metal that the fo- mm-hmm. the foil like metal we could you could ball it up into like a tiny little ball and, it would just and be you, like, if Broom. you open your hands it would just like return exactly to its original shape but there were no wrinkles like it was just perfect mm-hmm. every time they said it was weightless and smooth right um and in that documentary I showed you earlier of Loretta Proctor um they interview a woman who was the daughter of like a firefighter from, if I remember correctly, a firefighter at the Air Force Base who came home and told her like all about the crash. And then... God, that would have been... Can you imagine? And she think, I think she said that he brought home a piece of the metal or that, so he, dis, or that he described it to her. Little people. And then like the next day, a bunch of like military spooks showed up and they were like, hey, little girl. And she was like, hey. And they were like... <laughs> Do you know anything about the uh, the crash? And she was like, yeah, my dad told me all about it. And they were like, what's interesting is that it's a big desert out there. And it'd be really easy to lose a little girl out there, don't you think? If she, like, uh, opened her mouth. And she was like, well, yeah, that sure would be scary. And they were like, <laughs> we're going to kill you. And she was like, sketch idea. <laughs> Spooks coming to intimidate someone who just doesn't get that they're being intimidated. <laughs> yeah. That sure would be scary. Yeah, she sure was like, would be easy gee, to take. Mr. General Ramey, <laughs> that sure would be scary. And they were like, I hope that wouldn't happen to a little girl like you. She's and she'd like, be like, I have lots of friends yeah. like me. <laughs> None of us would fare well. Right. Thank God we have homes. And they're like, hopefully nobody takes you from your home. Wink, wink. And she's like, yeah. Gee, Mr. General Ramey, <laughs> that <laughs> sure would be terrible. <laughs> Um, and they were basically like, don't fucking tell anyone or we will throw your bones in the desert. Um, anyway, he took me by surprise. So she also like attested to the memory metal story. So Arthur E. Exxon, who was the retired brigadier general, um, explained that he also observed the metal when he was a lieutenant colonel and an administration student in technology at Wright Field's foreign technology division. A department whose job was to reverse engineer foreign technology, like Bob Lazar did. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he observed the metal. Then, in the early 1980s, a memo surfaced from a September 15, 1950 conversation between Robert I. Sarbacher, who was a consultant for the Military Research and Development Board. He was like a fancy scientist. And a couple of, a couple of other military scientists, where he said in the memo... All we know is we didn't make them, and it's pretty certain they didn't originate on Earth. <sighs> but where did the memo surface? I don't know. The FBI released it, actually, if I recall correctly. They really just released it to the public? Mm-hmm. In the 80s, as part of the Freedom of Information Act, when they requested all those records. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I have for you. No answers. Only more questions. I'm so angry. Yeah. And there's like 50 books about it. There's literally hundreds of witnesses. Um, one point that BuzzFeed Unsolved made was like, there were like 600 total witnesses. 
so there's no way that all 600 of them were lying. Yeah, and there, they I all also, saw something. Everybody saw something, and it's. I don't think it was like covert military ops because it's 2019. Like any technology that they were trying to hide back then, they could have just said it in the 90s. They could have been like, it was this. Like it, it wasn't a fucking like we know it wasn't a balloon. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it was aliens. We have no idea, but we know it wasn't a balloon. Right. And we know that they were, they're either covering up something that they still are keeping yes, secret. correct. Or it was fucking aliens. Right. And I can't imagine what kind of technology they had in 1947 that they would still need to keep covered up now because right. we don't, there's nothing that you could have had back then that you would still need to cover up. Right. Um, and then, of course, I forgot to include this, but I wanted to, um... In 2014, Obama went on Jimmy Kimmel. Do you remember this? Jimmy Kimmel asks all the presidents. Yeah, vaguely I remember this. Um, Obama said, I can't reveal anything. He said, looking for UFO files would be the first thing that you would do. But he said, the aliens won't let it happen. You reveal all their secrets and they exercise strict control over us. <laughs> that's he basically said, like, that's kind of like, that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically said it's not as interesting as we think it is and that all the information is pretty much out there. Yeah, but he has to say that. I know. He has to say that. <laughs> I know. He has to say that. Oh. I'm like so frustrated. That's what I have for you on Roswell part two, two case, two, too close to case. <laughs> um, so I guess we should use the steps of solving a mystery now. All right, I'm ready. Identify what the mystery is. Did aliens crash at Roswell? Okay. Identify any people people for proof that the mystery really took place. 600. Boom. Identify the people involved in the mystery. Government. The government. <laughs> Determine who of the people may have an interest in the mystery and benefit by taking the steps taken to cause the mystery. Government. The government. Bonos. Mystery solving is hard. Correct. We did it! Yeah! <laughs> um, yeah. That's what I got for you. Oh my god. Oh, um, sorry. One more thing. Which is, I, you told me not to ruin it for you, so I moved it to the very, very end. So, basically the way we framed these episodes was around Jesse Marcel's story yeah. as kind of like the canon official Roswell story. Um, but... Jesse Marcel's credibility has been called into question. Okay, give it to me. I'm ready. Because Jesse Marcel claimed to have been a pilot since 1928. Mm-hmm. He said that he was awarded five medals for his service as a pilot in World War II. He said that he had a degree in physics from George Washington University. But his application to the Air Force in 1942 mentions no prior flying experience. His record shows that in World War II, he was awarded two medals. And there are no records of him ever attending George Washington University. Correct. So it's and hard to not, know. That's not mentioned. I mean, in the in the book that his son wrote, he never says, like, he went to George Washington University and had a degree in physics. But he right. does have, like, his military record. Right. Where he, like, worked on the fucking nuclear bomb squads. And, like, right. he has, like, documentation of it. Right. But if we were all judged based on, like, white lies we've told or, like exaggerating the number of medals we got but then one it's like the boy who cried wolf Mm -hmm. you know like i might say that like 
I'm trying to think of a lie I've told. Do you lie? Constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's say I told a little lie, but then later I was like, I just watched someone get murdered. And everyone was like, well, you said you left your house 15 minutes after you already did or whatever. So we don't believe you. I would assume you murdered the person. Okay, well, that's fair. I didn't say who murdered. I just said they got murdered. <laughs> you also chose a lie that was, like, very correlational to the crime. Oh, I meant, like, on another day. You'd have to say that, I think. I'm trying to think of a fucking lie. You're not proving your point is all I'm saying. Okay, let's say I was like, I fucked Jake Gyllenhaal. And then it, like... <laughs> and then you were like, I saw a murder. And then I was like, I saw a murder. And they were like, well, you, you were, were just never watching in Night's- the same place. You were just watching... <laughs> Night Stalker. What's that movie he was in? Night Stalker? I don't know. You just See, had a you're dream. See, your memories are being compressed. Your memories are being compressed. Just like Glenn Dennis. And yeah. all of the 600 other witnesses. I just think it's fucking ridiculous. By the way, Project Mogul, I think, wasn't actually as like top secret as everyone made it out to be. No. In the report later on. like I think at the time, actually, they basically, like, and Operation High Dive as well, they posted... they. They, like, talked about it in the newspaper. Really? Operation High Dive, they definitely did. And I don't know about Project Mogul, but Operation High Dive, they were like, military science hmm. is probably so advanced. They didn't talk about Project Mogul because they were trying to keep it secret from the commies. Yeah. You know? A couple of things also. Um, I really, like, went on a rabbit hole with this research, and I had to weed a lot of it out because there are, like, so many super extra crazy theories that are just like not substantiated at all. Mm-hmm. One of which is that like maybe we were doing experiments with like launching chimpanzees into space 20 years before we said that we were. And when they recovered the, like the, the crash and that the bodies were like chimpanzees that had been launched into space and like just burned up in the atmosphere. But what, how, how does it benefit people to cover that up? That's my question. It's like, why would you need to hide that? Because they didn't want another country to know that we were experimenting with space travel. Oh. This was before the space race. Oh, it was priests. You're right. You're it's right. It's 1947. Okay. So, yeah. There's, like, a lot of shit like that that I didn't even include. Like, it just... It goes on and on and on and on. But these are sort of, like, the major points of canonically accepted UFO. Mm-hmm. It's just so Occam's Razor, like... The simplest answer is... Truly, and I don't believe... Huge disclaimer. I believe in extraterrestrial intelligent life. I don't think it's humanoid. I don't think it looks like the the grays that we talk about. There's a very good chance it's probably not even fucking carbon-based. Like, And I don't see why they would come here. But what else could they still be fucking covering up? What are they still trying to cover up? See, but I think that the, the Occam's razor question and answer then is that the simplest answer is that they are covering something up yeah so my question is what are they like what how many years what 60 years on are they still trying to cover up i don't know 70 years on what could they have had in 1947 that they still don't want us to know about i don't know doesn't make any sense i don't know i don't like that i don't know i don't like that we don't know it's the theme of our podcast. I I know and I hate it, but I love it. It's so frustrating. Do you have anything? No, just before we sign deep off. Deep rage. That's fair. And a lot of questions. I think we did it. I think we covered Roswell. 
I left. I'm leaving this with more questions than I had when we started it. Me too. Oh, and more. I'm like angrier. There's a lot of text that you can read about this. Mm-hmm. I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset. I need to take a breather. Um, I guess that's it. We don't know. Oh my god, we just don't fucking know. I mean, stay in your lane. I'm yeah. so fr- I'm like, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you for listening Follow and going us on, on this. Instagram at Mr. T. Mink. Um, if you are listening to the podcast now, um, the, this is the first time we've done it. We live streamed this episode on mm-hmm. a new live streaming platform called Live AF. Um, so if you like listening to our podcast and you want to watch us do it live, or if you're interested in any of the bonus content that we will be live streaming um, over the next couple of weeks, we're doing a new segment called Mystery Team Off the Record, where we're reviewing true crime content, movies, mm-hmm. books, and foods. Movies, books, and foods. And uh, we're also doing some, we're live streaming some spooky adventures that we're going on. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so if you want to check out any of our bonus content, download, or, or if you want to watch a stream, um, our recordings live, download live AF and follow us. We're mystery team Inc. obviously, and watch mystery stream Inc. live. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, please rate and review. Please subscribe. Send us emails. We love getting emails. We really have enjoyed getting emails from listeners. We have new shirts kind of like in the works. So mm-hmm. please rate and review. We'll send you a shirt. Um, and I think that's it, right? Yeah. We don't know. But we did do the steps of solving a mystery. So I'm proud of us for doing that. I'm glad that that is making a comeback. Mm-hmm, me too. I'm glad you found it. Thank you. I'm really impressed that you found it. <laughs> Thank you. I am a mystery solver after all. Okay, so we did solve one mystery today. Technically, we solved one mystery and it was the first thing we did. That's fine. Start strong. Yeah, right. And then lead them down a path of disappointment. Yeah, we're really a first half team. (laughs) (laughs) We had them in the first half. All right, well. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Fuckle the buck up. Smooches. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.